This is the Outdoor Wires Weekend Edition. I'm Jim Shepard. Today, a single topic, crisis management. You're a company. You're a good corporate citizen. You pay your taxes, support your local charities, employ hundreds of people, and suddenly, without any warning, you find yourself at the heart of a raging controversy. All of a sudden, your loyal customers are calling for your blood, destroying your products and videos they're posting on social media, and hundreds of people are posting horrid things about you on your own website and your Facebook page. Then it escalates as the social media trolls start piling on. They pull out your political contributions, and suddenly you find yourself trying not to convince everybody, especially your former customers, that you're not some closeted anti-gun liberal. Sounds like a nightmare, but that's exactly what happened this week to Benchmade Knife Company. They did their local police department a favor, and when the police tried to thank them for their help, they handed Benchmark a live grenade with the pin pulled. We're not going into any depth on that story today. It's already history, although it's not going away anytime soon. And if you're not familiar with what happened, you can go online to theoutdoorwire.com and read Friday's feature. It has all the gory details. But what we're going to talk about today, crisis management. What do you as a company do when something goes terribly wrong? We have two PR professionals to talk with us about that. We're going to start with Alan Forkner, who's the PR manager for Swanson Russell in Nebraska. And then we'll talk with and listen to Gary Judici of Blue Heron Communications as he offers his suggestions and a very unique perspective on a very similar situation. We start with Alan Forkner. Alan, let's look at the Benchmade situation. What happens when something like this happens on the inside? Well, usually what happens is uh, a lot of panic and a lot of running around, uh, you know, chick with your head cut off. And that's largely uh, uh, the reaction no matter what. Right. Um, the smart companies have kind of thought about it ahead of time um, and, you know, have a crisis communications plan in place and, and, and should activate it. But, um, you know, without knowing exactly what's going on behind the doors at Benchmade, you know, it's kind of hard to, to exactly critique. But, you know, there are certainly – Certainly some things we see with our clients and, and manufacturers across the, the industry, just kind of general mistakes that, that usually get made at this point. And then we've got some, some recommendations and advice for them going forward of how to kind of work their way through this. Is it safe to say that even in today's hypersensitive climate, a lot of companies just don't understand Oh, I think it's absolutely safe to say, especially with social media. But the, the, the thing that, that seems to get overlooked the most is the manufacturer doesn't get to decide if they've done right or wrong or if they've screwed up. You know, it, it's not up to them. It's up to their consumers. It's up to their fans. It's up to the marketplace in general to, to say you're doing right, you're doing wrong. You know, going into when you were 10, it didn't work with your mother to say, listen, uh, Bobby did this. It's fine if we did it. You know, it, it didn't work then. So even though certain companies may, uh, you know, engage in activity or, or assist somebody like a local police department with what they think is a, 
uh, a noble cause or a good effort. Um, sometimes their consumers can tell them the exact opposite, and the smart brands recognize and listen to that. Yeah, and that was one of the things I think is the most obvious thing to me. Having spoken with you know the representative from Benchmade, is I still don't think they see this as a big deal. Despite the fact Not, that 5,000 social comments, six of them were positive, and I think all six of those people have been found and lynched by the other 4,900. Um, how, do you, how do you get through to a company that this is a big deal? Well, you've got you've to listen to that voice of the consumer. And what we stress with our clients is, is listening, you know. It's one thing to believe that you've done the right thing, but if everybody is aligning against you, you know, it's kind of indication that, you know, maybe we did step in it a little bit. Yeah. Um, the worst thing that you can do is then try to make that explanation. You know, we, like I said, we see two mistakes that brands make, and the first one is trying to explain it away. You know, given the rationale, here's the logical reasons, one, two, three, why we did what we did, and that's why we think it's okay. As we all know, logic and rationale have no place on social media. No, <laughs> you know, and, it's and, all about reaction and emotion. <laughs> Emotion always trumps logic. Absolutely. And what ends up when you try to explain it away is it starts listen, sounding more and more like an excuse. Yeah. So it, it, it just throws fuel on that fire. So the best thing that we recommend our clients do, you know, listen to the consumer. What are they saying? What are they hurt by? What are they offended by? What do they, what do they think that you've done wrong? And then address that. Yeah. Now, on social media, uh, is there another big don't do this that you would recommend to a company after they try to explain it. Is there another gotcha that they can walk into? The worst thing that someone can do in this situation is try to walk it back. So delete the original post, um, hide or delete the negative comments or shut down comments in general. Um, all of that is the equivalent, you know, Jim, you and I have been in this business a long time. And what's one of the worst things you can look into a camera and say in a scandal no comment. No comment. <laughs> well, that's the modern – exactly. That's the modern-day version here. Um, you know, it, it locks out legitimate consumers who are just looking for clarification. You know, did you guys really do this? Why did you do it? You know, explain it to me. Um, but it's also telling, you know, those trolls that just live for lighting fires on the Internet. It, it tells them that, hey, here's my weak spot. You, you found it. So by trying to backtrack – I don't want to say cover everything up, but certainly – delete some of the, the past, you know, it just makes what's a bad situation even worse. Yeah, it, uh, it it's not going to go away. This is, no. I think it's safe to say that this is a viral situation. And we're, we're the CDC. What do we do to shut down the virus? Yeah, you know, as we were talking before, uh, you know, we went on here, uh, both of our phones just started lighting up um, yesterday afternoon as this was kind of fueling up and up and everybody, you know, kind of, did you see this? And have you heard about this? And, uh, you know, I flash back to, to Winston Churchill, who said a lot of smart things, but one of them was, you know, if you find yourself going through hell, keep going. Um, you're trying to ignore it, trying to erase it, trying to, you know, just kind of push it off to the side, which, you know, essentially is what you're doing when you shut down social posts or, or try to eliminate original posts. It just keeps that going, keeps that fuel going. Um, you know, what we advise clients to do, you know, there are a few basic steps that usually are pretty universal. Um, you know, first, apologize. If your consumer base is telling you you've done something wrong, it doesn't matter how right you may feel. 
you've, you've offended somebody. So apologize. Again, there's going to be exceptions. You know, if there's liability issues for a product and some legal stuff, obviously you can't. But if you've just offended somebody, apologize and try to understand why they're angry. You know, yeah. after that, own it. We did it. We didn't mean to offend you, but we realized we did, and we're sorry for doing that. Um, anything you can do to make it right. So, you know, in this case, maybe some donations to the NRA, the Oregon Firearms Federation, or Goal, you know, might might help smooth some of that over. Um, certainly, you don't want to throw your partners under the bus here. So, while we may disagree with what the police had to do, um, it's you know their hands are somewhat tied in a lot of cases too. Um, you know, it's a thankless job. Support them, but also explain that we, you know, we can't support this anymore. So, sorry, guys, you're going to be on your own. And talked about what the company can do. Now, let's talk a little bit of rippling effect. If you're a company that is watching what's happened in this situation, you've seen two things happen. First of all, the company's getting lit up on social media, and the second thing is. Every contribution, every donation they've made, their whole policy of how they deal with politics especially is coming under scrutiny. What do you what do you tell the companies that you have that are fortunate enough not to be that company but are in that situation? What do they need or in that industry group? What do you tell them to be prepared for? They need to be prepared to have every decision they make, every donation they make, every partnership they strike scrutinized. Um, in this day and age, there's just no such thing as privacy anymore. Um, every decision has to be kind of run through the filter of how is this going to look to the public. You know, I hate to say that social media should drive everything you do, but it certainly has to be a consideration in a lot of decision making. You know, if I partner with this person, what is their perception? How's that going to make me look? If we donate to this group, what what's some of the potential blow blowback? Because again, you may be doing something that's very a good, very noble, but again, if the perception's wrong and your consumers say you've done something wrong, you've done something wrong. Heck of a way to run a railroad, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, probably the other um, best piece of advice we give our clients is to, to take social seriously. And it's, it's getting easier. More and more companies have seen the power of social media as well as, you know, the downside of social media. So they're putting efforts into it. You know, they're bringing on proper social media managers. Uh, they work with us to do proper social media listening and analytics so that we can hear the conversations that are going on and see what public opinion is. But they're also getting savvy people in there who, who think socially. You know, it may be a marketing manager. It may be a PR manager. It may even be a product manager, but just somebody who understands social media enough to know what we're doing here might not be the best optics through social media. Maybe we need to rethink this. Maybe we need to revise this. Or at least we need to present it in a different way. Now – when I hear that, the first thing that flies all over me is that we're kind of letting social media drive the bus when social media isn't, shouldn't be a driver of anything. It should be a, a message conveyance. But is social media so um, screwed up, I guess, for a lack of a better phrase, that, that it's driving the bus? You know, are we running in reverse here? 
sadly, in a lot of cases, it is. Um, you know, if we've looked at the last few election cycles, I think it'd be naive to think that social media didn't have a huge influence on those. Um, anytime you're getting hundreds of thousands of people together, um, it's going to impact the way you have to do business with those people, especially if it's a way where they can communicate thoughts, opinions, um, ideas, be them good ideas or half-baked ideas, somewhat anonymously yeah. without real repercussion. You know, it's, it's the, the joke that you might post something about a guy online that you would never say to his face because you're going to get punched in the nose where, you know, on Twitter, you just say it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, it's a sad state. You know, I'm, I'm old enough that it depresses me that social media has the impact that it does. But, you know, at the same time, hundreds of thousands of eyes and voices, you really can't ignore them. You, you can't ignore them, but you're probably <laughs> going to pay the price for it. At your peril, you ignore them. Exactly. Well, here I am, you know, can we paint a picture of a hypocrite? Yeah, it may look like me. I'm sitting here doing a podcast because it's good for us on social media and uh, and in the Internet. So, yeah, it's, it's a two-edged sword, I guess, is the thing we mm-hmm. can take away from this. How long do you think this yeah. thing will run? going to depend how it's it's handled you know if it continues to be somewhat of a we didn't do anything wrong and you people are just overreacting it's probably going to last you know several more days at least um you know if a company would would step up take ownership it could be over in a few days you know obviously the worst case scenario is what i kind of tongue-in-cheek refer to as the hk effect um, you know, what was that, 1994, HK made a mistake on a catalog, and they still, to this day, take guff over it. Um, you know, the, the, the unofficial company line, as, people, as the consumer's position, is HK because you suck and we hate you. Yeah. And it, it's not really justified anymore. I mean, HK has made great strides to perform really good customer service. I think they're doing a great job over there. But it, they're still saddled a bit with that reputation. Um, yeah. That's certainly a worst case that Benchmade becomes known as, you know, the the anti-gun knife company. You know, it, it's not a death sentence. I mean, we've had some some major manufacturers in our space that have been in similar cases. I mean, they, they certainly predate social media, but you know, Smith and Wesson has dealt with this, and Ruger has dealt with this, and, and, um, and you know, there's even, several more, and they've certainly come through. And even before social media, twenty-five yeah, years exactly. ago, there are people who will never own another Ruger product or a Smith and Wesson product ever. They just won't. Yep. Yeah. Benchmade will never 100% probably shake this. There will always be a segment of the market that remembers this. Um, And that's sad. I, I listen, I have uh, full disclosure. I have friends at Benchmade, um, good friends at Benchmade. I'm uh, you know, I like their products. Um, I I think they're they're good people and I think they make a good product, but this is something that they're going to be, dealing with for on some level for for years to come now is it going to be the firestorm that it currently is no that it'll it'll die down it's just how fast that dies down and how cool it dies down too is just going to depend on how things are handled from you know this stage forward and i think it's i think it's important to note if you're a, a company executive listening to this and i suspect that several of them will be this week it can get worse can't it Oh, certainly. Yeah, this is this is a. Uh, it's not best case. It's not worst case. It's kind of that, you know, Goldilocks medium case scenario. Um, you know, you've offended a large part of your consumer base. You know, as we 
kind of jokingly say, not all knife people are gun people, but almost all gun people are knife people. So it's a it's a big chunk of your segment that you've offended, but at, at the end of the day, that's it. You've you've offended them. You know, you've made a decision that has um, made them question your commitment to the Second Amendment, which, you know, in our space is a really bad thing. Um, there are certainly way worse things Benchmade could have done. You know, I'm not even going to imagine what some of those scenarios are. <laughs> Thank way you. Worse Thank you very much. Done. That would keep me up tonight. <laughs> uh, you know, it's. We've all seen examples of this, you know, and there's also a chance that your name can become an adjective. You mm. could have zumboed or a term of art, you know. It, it it can dog you the rest of your life. And as you yeah, said, be, that's, being that's something they're going to have to, Yeah, you do not want to be a verb. You do not want to do a danza if you're a skier. And the one thing I always tell everybody to do is to remember that – it's just like when you pull the trigger on a gun. Once you hit post, it's not coming back. No. You no, if it's on the internet, back, the internet say, is forever. Yeah, it's always forever. Always and forever. Sounds like a good title for a song. Also a good point to stop. Alan Forkner from PR Manager from Swanson Russell. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us about this. Jim, always a pleasure. Thanks. We're joined now by one of my good friends, colleagues, and a longtime member of the public relations industry and the, the media, Gary Judici with Blue Heron Communications out of Norman, Oklahoma. And Gary, you have a historical perspective on this that a lot of people today don't have. You've been involved in in politics, you've been involved in New York City and the big time and and the outdoor industry for years. But you were involved in a particular situation that, that I would like to get a little perspective on. You were involved with Smith & Wesson when they struck their, I call it a deal, with an anti-gun administration in Washington. And you had to deal with that fallout, didn't you? Oh, it, that was unbelievable, Jim. What happened was the Clinton administration with their housing HUD had this deal. If you, if, if you will sign this and it would require you to do certain things like uh, not sell the gun shops that didn't have certain standards, et cetera, et cetera. But it, but it was just ridiculous. The standard. Well, at any rate, Smith at the time was owned by an English company. And they were trying to sell it. They were afraid of lawsuits, and the administration was threatening lawsuits. And they thought, oh, that's the end. We're getting out of here. Do whatever you can to get out of lawsuits. They told the president. He did. He signed on to this deal. And, boy, you thought that the world erupted when he did that. And all the other gun companies were jumping on him, and the NRA just uh, blew up against them. We lost clients because we wouldn't resign them. It was terrible. And and people would you go to the shot show and try to answer questions, uh, you know, the big trade show for the gun companies. And, oh, my God, you, you, you felt like you needed an armed guard uh, to go around. It was, it was terrible. It was just terrible is what it was. Bad. Now, that was... A couple uh, of decades ago, they still haven't overcome it. Quite frankly, there's uh, I still run across the people that have the attitude of you know Smith, the 
and I got your card. They signed up with Quentin, and I'm not buying one of your products. I don't care. I still, to this day, I don't know how many years ago that was. It was 20 years ago or whatever, and they still hold that to be true. Uh, the one big difference now that wasn't going on then is the whole social media aspect. Uh, there wasn't, to, to, to any degree, there really wasn't any social media now. Everybody's got a voice that's somewhat equal. It's somewhat loud, and and you can tell the whole world your feelings in just a heartbeat, and everybody knows it, and just following more people and more people to get wound up. So it'd be tough now, tougher now than it was then. Uh, but it was pretty tough then. Well, when you deal with your clients now, what what do you have to tell them? What do you warn them? How do you protect them from themselves? Well, you know, it's easy to look at to look back and say, here's what you should have done. Uh, most of the time, you shouldn't have done that. Don't do that. That's the solution. But we never get involved until after the fact is an unfortunate part of it. And we often find out, at least from an from agency advantage, from my agency, after it's done, we find out from some member of the press. Call says, oh, your client just did this. What do you, what, what are you going to do about it? It's, that's how we find out. And boy, it's tough. Uh, but there are certain steps you could take. If, if, if uh, it's, it's sure it's nice to get out in front of it, get out in front of it before the event happens and, and set up for it. If it's something that's going to happen no matter what, well, you can kind of plan ahead. If it's something that's going to happen that's stupid, you can tell them that, try to keep them from doing it. And that's the best way. But, but neither of those things really ever happen. All of a sudden, they're in this storm and don't know what to do. And, and uh, there's, there's an old saying in, in public relations work on the problems, these issue-oriented, this crises, public relations that we use, nine times out of ten, when something blows up, take a low profile. Nine times out of ten, because no matter, particularly now with social media, there, no matter what you say, there's going to be 50 other people come back against whatever you said. It didn't make any difference what you said. You can't win. There's absolutely no way to win. So most all the time, it's just take a low profile. It, it, say nothing if you can't. Don't, don't go saying no comment or anything like that. But, but, but just nicely get out of it. Just keep a low profile. Well, and it, that generally works. And it, but one thing about social media, excuse me, but one thing about it, it's, it's, it's pitch and fever is so short-lived that people get over these things quickly because there's something else they're going to get all wound up about. Now, <laughs> in our industry, the gun industry, uh, you know, we illustrated a Smith, Smith & Wesson situation from ever how many years ago. Uh, people aren't over that yet. But most everybody is. I mean, Smith is a vibrant gun company. They make great products and, and so forth. A uh, few people haven't gotten over it. Most everybody has. People get over stuff quicker now than they did then. And and I think low profile, I still, you know, without knowing all the facts, which I know none of, just my first advice would be if I had to give it without knowing anything, keep a low profile. Let's figure out what's going on here. Let's figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to overcome this. Now, taking a low profile, you're not saying don't own this if you did this, are you? No, no. First of all, you 
can't ever tell a lie on the deal. They'll catch you every time. I, I would never, ever say that, you know, to lie about something. If you did it, it's yours. You screwed the pooch, not everybody else. Uh, <laughs> you're going to take you're going to have to take it. You're going to have to take it as your own. You did it. Uh, own it. But I'm not saying go and broadcast that you own it. Don't tell people. Uh, I'll shoot an example. There was some, uh, a couple of TV hosts, outdoor TV hosts got into it and didn't like each other. So one of the hosts was telling these friends, you know that guy, he, he takes cocaine. He's a cocaine guy. Well, nobody likes cocaine guys, particularly in the outdoor industry. So the other guy that was being accused sent out a memo industry-wide saying he wasn't a cocaine guy. Well, that was about the stupidest thing he could have done. The smartest <laughs> thing he could have done is just shut up. Just don't say nothing. anything. That's exactly right. That firmly fell into the nine-ounce kit. And, and, uh, and he, he essentially did the first thing you tell somebody, don't wrestle a pig. That's exactly right. Right? You're not going to win that. You know, back in the day, before the, the whole digital craze, we used to say, you can't win a fight with somebody that buys their ink in a 55-gallon drum. You never can win that. No. And, and it, it's still true today. You can't win a fight because that, that people have the pulse of the world with you know, on the digital network. You just can't win that. It's, well, it's well and, and the, the other thing, Gary, excuse me for interrupting a little bit, is it's almost impossible to win in a fight with someone who can remain anonymous and say anything they please, and you're out but, there in the open. You can't hide. No, huh, no facts, none. And they're after just ripping his shred. Now, unfortunately, a lot of times what they're saying is based on facts. And, and it's just hard to pick out facts to argue when the other ones are laying there, when the other accusations are laying there with no facts. You're still, you're screwed. There's no way you can come out of this. You just got to give it a little time. Give it a little time. And it, it doesn't take as much time as it used to. No, it doesn't. But it does take some patience. I can't imagine reading the way the the people at uh, this knife company are right now, 5,000-plus comments and the counter going up nearly every minute. Um, and, it, it, and it's not character references. <laughs> now, if, if you want that count to go up, just keep feeding it. It'll go up. Even, yeah. even a podcast like this feeds it to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> You want this issue to die? Well, one of the best ways to do it is pull back from it. Don't go spouting out your side. Too, don't be too frank about it. Just kind of pull back as much as you as you possibly can without being an ass. That's the only way you're going to come out of this. Unfortunately, you're going to lose. Yeah. Well, you're going no to take. You're, you're getting your lumps. You might as well just, you know, stand yeah. up and take it like a grown up. But, right. But you. But you don't have to go say, no, I didn't take any cocaine. What the heck is all? You don't have to go that far. <laughs> no. You're just and low profile. When do the adults in the room speak up about social media? It's, well, it's a crazy business. I, 
I've been watching social media pretty hard for several years now. It's getting worse instead of better. I don't think they're doing it. I don't, you know, if if the people on social media had to live and die by journalistic standards, they'd never say a word. No. Of course, there are a lot of you know, a lot of so-called journalists these days. If they had to live by our standards, would starve too. But I could not agree with you more. Why do we even bother with journalism schools anymore? I mean, the whole thing's kind of gone to pot. And and you know, unfortunately, we as gun owners and Second Amendment freedom-loving people, we're the ones who are going to take it in the long run. We're the ones who's going to get hurt by all this. Ultimately, I couldn't agree more. But. Um, at this point, there's not a whole lot we can do because I am a Second Amendment advocate. And you know what? The last thing in the world I want is the government to come in and solve my problem. Exactly right. I, I'm with you 100% on both those things. And I wish I was smart enough to have a solution for the problem just not companies happen. But I, I'm willing to bet nobody has a solution. Uh, you minimize your damage and get on down the road. That's the only thing you can do. Yeah. Again, this problem's going to be somewhat short-lived. 30 days from now, nobody's going to remember it unless somebody feeds it. Yeah, but if you feed that beast, it'll be there forever. And he's hungry as hell. He, he wants to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they eat. They're young, you're young, they eat everything. They leave nothing everything but destruction. Yeah. But and, if they don't know they're really young in a way, they don't be. So, again, I I don't know all the facts in this situation. What I do know, uh, I, I know minimal facts. They should have done that. Yeah. They, they they've owned that. that. They've said this was a mistake. Now, they've stopped and, short of saying we're sorry because well, they're not going to apologize for helping the police department. They've caught I, twice. I, you know, there's, you know, I love the Second Amendment. And I live by it. It's the strongest thing in the world to me. It keeps us all safe. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But I also love police. I love police departments, and I know what they're going through, and they have a hard life. And I want to keep them happy as well. And here, when you're kind of middle between those two factions, oh, geez, I'm glad it's him and not me. Yeah. Well, the fortunate thing is. Neither one of us have to fix this, but we can stop talking about it. <laughs> and this would probably be a good point. Gary Judici, Blue Heron Communications, Norman, Oklahoma. Thank you for offering your insight into this because you've got more experience at this than anybody else I know who'd be willing to talk about it for certain. Well, I'm sure there's people that know more than I have. I would certainly hope that they would. And uh, if they won't talk, shame on them. Uh, it needs to be discussed, not to feed the beast, but it needs to be discussed. And we need to, to, to know that social media is not the answer to all of our prayers. Well... That's a wrap for this edition of our weekend edition. Now, if you want to keep up with the outdoors, the outdoor industry, and whatever's going on on a daily basis, here's a suggestion. Go to www.theoutdoorwire.com, click on the subscribe button. 
It's free, and you'll get the latest in your mailbox every Monday through Friday. The latest hot product, industry news, features to help you enjoy the outdoors even more, and best of all, there's something you won't be getting. You will not be getting any junk mail. The Outdoor Wire doesn't rent, sell, share, or distribute your information to anyone. It's a promise we've kept for nearly 20 years. So don't worry about giving us a try. We'd love to have you join us. Until next time, I'm Jim Shepard for the Outdoor Wire Weekend Edition.